Welcome to episode 77 of Published. Today, we're joined by Cal Hunter, Manager of Marketing and Corporate Partnerships at Barnes & Noble's flagship Fifth Avenue store in New York City. He also manages the business department. He'll share insights from his experience as a buyer and explain exactly what bookstores are looking for and what they tend to avoid. Welcome to Published, a podcast by Greenleaf Book Group, where we'll discuss the ins and outs of the publishing industry, from writing a book and finding the right publisher, to gearing up for a book launch. And now, here's your host, Greenleaf Book Group CEO, Tanya Hall. The question at the top of most authors' minds is, how do I get my book into bookstores? Brick-and-mortar bookstore distribution is highly sought after and highly competitive. With limited real estate on the shelves, stores need to use that space effectively and stock titles that they know will sell. This means authors who hope to walk into their local bookstore and find a copy of their book on the shelf should start planning early if they want to get retailers' attention. In our conversation today, Cal will discuss the benefits and challenges of bookstore distribution, how an author can appeal to buyers, and the importance of diversity in publishing. All right, Cal, welcome to Published. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak to your audience. Barnes & Noble Fifth Avenue, we really take an inclusive approach to books. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to hearing more about that. So why don't we start by having you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do. My name is Cal Hunter. I'm the business development manager at Barnes & Noble Fifth Avenue, and I also manage the business department. And that's important to note because we are the number one business bookseller within 500 stores uh, within the entire Barnes & Noble franchise. Business development focuses on what are all of the segments that you might work alongside of in terms of developing business and selling books. When you look at market segmentation, we like to boil that down to what we call the SMURFs, and that's societal, medical, um, ecumenical, uh, religion, society, fraternal, corporate. So there's a lot of things that's boiled into that. And it's a matter of rightly dividing each one and the strategies that go along with marketing to those specific parts of the marketplace. Interesting. And you are also an Air Force veteran, aren't you? Yes, I am. Strategic Air Command. Awesome. Uh, Well, thank you for your service. Well, thank you. (laughs) So I think the burning question that every author or aspiring author has is how do you decide on which books you bring into the store? And I know there have been some changes in Barnes & Noble in the past years. Can you help our listeners understand, are those decisions made at the store level or does corporate have a say? Just uh, fill us in on that. Well, at one time, it was purely corporate driven. You had buyers that were buying nationwide for the stores and under the new corporate leadership, it now allows local stores to take more of a local approach towards what's important, what's the demand from each store. It's very difficult from a corporate level to take a one size fits all. When you're looking at a a chain of stores so wide, so deep across the country. Mm -hmm. So store managers now have a lot of latitude and uh, it's about knowing your marketplace. Many authors will publish a book and then they will walk that into their local store and see if the store will pick it up. 
One thing that really helps, you know, I think people have to understand that, but bookstores are no different than any other industry. In the music business, it would be rotation and airtime. In the supermarket, it's called slotting. How do you get best positioning in the store? Well, it all boils down to one thing, the sales, the demand. Mm-hmm. what's happening within that local community that's demanding that book. So the, the author can really generate that demand when they talk about igniting their following, and that's what typically opens that door in a, in a big way. I do that a little differently at Fifth Avenue because I really try to make sure that there's equitable placement in terms of female authors, diversity, equity, and inclusion, because I believe that when you're appealing to a wider audience, casting a wider net, the outcome of that is wider sales. And that totally makes sense. I think the results have spoken for themselves. I know the stores are doing better under this approach. And of course, every market is going to be very different from another. So that localized buying power is that sounds like a game changer. Yes, it is. Now, if a Barnes & Noble brings in a book, since this is not centralized decision-making anymore, if, if a local store, let's say, brings it in, what does that mean, if anything, for the book's chances in other Barnes & Nobles? Once they shepherd that book and take it through from manuscript to actually getting it produced and putting it out there, now, in order to get it in other markets, it's about building that demand. And today, it's much easier, but at the same time, it's a lot harder, too, because there are a great many more platforms to do it by way of social media. But one has got to now imagine that there's a lot more competing for the attention of the marketplace more so, too. So how do you stand out? How do you differentiate yourself to break through? I see a great many authors doing it in different ways, you know, by way of podcasts. Some are just going on, putting their life on pause and taking tours around the country and advocating for their book and speaking engagements and appearances and that type of thing. However you define it, it's about you are that agent that drives the bus and you've got to decide what is the best platform that's going to give you the greatest impact to break through the clutter and develop a following. Yeah, so it sounds like it all really comes down to building that demand on the consumer Mm -hmm. end. And we help out a great deal here because I try to work alongside a prime placement of books featuring with step ladders, featured placement on the shelves, instead of library spining books that try to do more face out. So it's more the book itself becomes more of a banner so you can see it. It's readily apparent. So positioning and placement is also important. And and authors have a lot of power when they walk into a store. Because I tell anyone, what is the primary function of a bookstore is to have good books. Authors can walk into that store and say, you know, I want to see my book. I'd like to sign my book. And then after they sign it, you want to say to that bookseller, instead of placing me library spy, can you face me out? I, I want people to see me. So get a little more detailed in the handling of your product. Oh, that's a great tip. So that's that's an ask that they have to get into the habit of making if they happen to be interacting with a bookseller is to please face out my book. That's right. That's right. And, and don't accept a bookseller telling you that, well, we don't have your book in stock. Say, well, I'll, I'll come back. I'm going, I want you to order it and I'll come back. You know, again, bookstores exist because of authors. You have the right to be demanding that you want your book on that shelf and you want it managed properly. You have to really convey to that bookstore that you are behind your product. 
If not you, who? <laughs> That's right. And you know, Tanya, another thing that many authors will come to a book that we get at Fifth, at Fifth Avenue all the time. They'll come into the store, and one of the things that they'll ask for is, we'd like to do an event. Now, if you haven't put in the sweat equity to get people out to an event, what's the likelihood of that event really being successful? Yeah. So being here on Fifth Avenue, it's pretty much the most expensive real estate in the world. Does it really make sense to have an event where there's no turnout? Yeah, probably not. So they've really got to hustle and make a case for it. Going back to getting the books into the stores in the first place, are bookstores more likely to buy certain genres? Are there any genres that are unlikely to make it into stores at all? Well, that's a good question because, again, everything centers on demand. And I think you understanding what your genre is about. For example, I get the question, how do I get my book in every Barnes & Noble? Well, you know, you have to stop and think that there are markets that are very specific. For example, with business books, more so in your business-driven cities, that's where your demand will be. And in Barnes & Noble, there are out of 600 stores, your top business stores is about six stores. So do you really want your book in every store where at the end of the month, those books will not sell and probably be returned? So you want to focus on those stores where your book will have staying power, where the, where the market demand is. That becomes very important. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's where a, a powerful publisher or distributor can come in and help you identify those markets and be more strategic with the type of campaigning that gotcha. one does. Let's talk about, I like to call them debut authors, not first time authors. How often do bookstores bring in books by debut authors and how important, if if at all, is a record of sales? I know oftentimes authors are discouraged saying, well, I don't know that they'll take a chance on me because no one's heard of me. This is my first book. Can you speak to that dynamic a bit? Debut authors, again, have to look at just what is the subject matter? Is that really in demand? Is the market really calling for that at the time? Sometimes uh, a book is written from a one-dimensional perspective saying, well, this is important to me. How does that strike a bell with the masses out there? Listen to the media cycle. What's going on in the news? What is constantly ringing a bell? If you're in line with that, well, it's your time. Sometimes you're ahead of your time. And if that's the case, then you have to make the case for it. And this is where when you say to a store manager, I'm a new author. I'd like for you to carry my book. Be ready to make that case. Explain why it will hit the market where that bookstore is, why it makes good sense. And then with that, be about touching base with those organizations, those corporations, those associations, groups that have an interest vested in that subject matter in the book. So, so you really got to kind of light that fuse. That's the fundamental understanding that you have to gain anytime you're pursuing a sale, right? It's not about what's in it for you. It's about what's, right. in it, what's in it for them. I talk often about how authors can fall victim to this magical thinking of, you know, I did this hard thing of writing a book and now the universe is going to reward me because the universe rewards people who do hard things. 
And you really have to snap out of that and and realize you've got to think about what's in it for the bookstore. That's right, Tanya. The the win-win has to be upfront and apparent. I remember we had an occasion where a gentleman came in and he had a cardboard size cutout, true to life, his size. And he said, if you just give me a table and let me sit by the door. I said, that's scary, man. It's not going to sell your book, you know, but... (laughs) <laughs> but you have to you have to be you have to take a very a very real informed and honest approach to marketing. Be honest with yourself. Let's talk about authors who have self-published. I don't know if this is the same across all stores. Maybe you can speak to that. But do you bring in books from authors who are self-published, or do they have to have a distributor? You know, we do. We do here on Fifth Avenue. The self-published author again has got a really take a forensic look at the clutter out there in terms of messaging and and try to break through. Often it's a lot harder because you don't have the the toolbox of the machinery behind a publishing house that's helping to direct and guide the book. So it's it's a little harder, but the same rules apply. You know, if if it's relevant and you can hit that target, you're going to begin to, to gen up interest. And at that point in time, once the, you know, the book just follows the demand, at the same time, don't fall into the traps because there are a lot of companies that are out there that say, well, if you, if you give me $20,000, I can, I can put your book on the map. Approach that from a very informed point of view. Say to that company, okay, I would like to see in, in recent years three authors within my segment that you have promoted and you have put on the map. Let me see their media plan, the sizzle reel, everything that you've done to get them there. Watch how quickly they leave the room. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of sharks out there, unfortunately. And I think, like you said, doing your homework is so, so important to make sure that you don't lose a lot of time and money. Now, you mentioned earlier the step ladders and some of the displays I've seen in your store. And let me just say, Barnes & Noble Fifth Avenue has amazing displays, just a gorgeous window, certainly. And it's a high traffic area. So I understand why. How are those displays chosen and what kind of impact do they have on sales? They're very visible. We rotate a lot of product quite often. But at the same time, we try to create kind of a destination department because through the step ladders, you're seeing books that relate to our marketplace. You have a step ladder that's prominently positioned, uh, Harvard. We have some other publishing houses as well. The idea is to make it visibly known that we are diverse and we are looking at positioning that written intellect so that it's very visible. You don't have to hunt for it. It's easy to find. And we don't mind taking a, um, a new author or an independent author and giving it the placement. But again, it's that partnership where that author is saying, I'm going to work to drive interest in my book. I'm going to have people stopping by the store. And we see that a great deal. Yeah, those displays are just gorgeous. And again, I want to thank you for supporting one of Greenleaf's imprints, Brain Trust Inc., which brings diverse voices forward. You've been certainly a wonderful partner on that front. I got to salute you on that because you've got tremendous authors. Oh, thank you. Yes, I do. <laughs> right. That's right. The, your, your product line is par none. 
And you know what? It is so now, it is so happening, and it keeps pace. You know, it, it doesn't fall behind. It is contemporary, and it stays right up within the thought process of what's going on in society, what's happening. You can turn on the news, and you can find a book on that satellite that's speaking to it. Absolutely. And and to that point, what are the trends that you're seeing in the books that people are buying today? Well, DEI is huge. You know, companies are trying to, to get that right. Entrepreneurship, working for oneself, that's another big piece. The other side of that is folks that are concentrating on all of the pressures in life and the health side. Yeah. And you've also been very vocal about the importance of diversity in literature and promoting female authors, especially. And so can you speak to where there is still inequality in the publishing world and, and what can be done to lift up authors from these underrepresented communities? Well, I think it starts with awareness, understanding just where you're positioned within the matrix and how do you improve on that positioning. Every day I try to publish on LinkedIn at least five business books by female authors. And that that came about by way of an author by the name of Margaret Greenberg, who told me that since the dawn of books, female authors have never been more than 10% of the bestseller. And I did check that out, actually, and she is correct. I think more so when you really dig below the surface and you think about what the trend has been in terms of positioning what's important, make it a point to go into that store and buy that book of those authors that need to pull along a little more. Well, Cal, you have been just an absolute wealth of wisdom today. Again, we so appreciate your generosity and the gift of your time. Do you have any parting advice for our listeners? Greenleaf has the right prescription for what ails it, and that is understanding that to widen the field of of books and interests and and, and thought, that's the prescription for building this industry to a place where it's healthy, really healthy, well-managed and driven, because it's all about great ideas bubbling to the top. And so you've got to have a real incubator in an engine to do that. You built that incubator in that in, in that engine, Tanya. So I would say keep doing what you're doing and intensify it. <laughs> I love it, Cal. You are such an inspiration. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me, Tanya. That's it for our episode with Cal today. We hope you enjoyed learning a bit about how bookstores decide which books to bring into their stores. For notes and resources from today's show, go to greenleafbookgroup.com slash episode 77. You can also find advice for writing, publishing, and promoting your work in my book, Ideas, Influence, and Income, which you can learn more about at ideasinfluenceandincome.com. If you've enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. It means a lot to have your feedback and helps us make sure we're answering your publishing questions. A big thank you to Eleanor Fishborn and Madison Johnson, who produced the published podcast, and we will be back next month with another episode. Oh, 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 oh,